never need a bitch, I'm what a bitch need. Looking for the right one to fix me. Amphetamines got my tubby getting queasy. Cause I'm heartless. All the fame and the pussy got me heartless. Cause I'm heartless. I've lost my soul in my mind. I've always tried to be right. It's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramtran. Reporting live for duty on this magnificent December 1st in the year of our Lord, 2019. Welcome and bienvenue to Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast. I've lost my soul in my mind. I've always tried to be right. <clears throat> if you're new to the show, Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast, I am an actor extraordinaire, 18 years of service, diploma in theater, arts, thespian to the core, ladies and gentlemen. And one thing that um, is relatable across professions is taking inspiration. Taking inspiration is key. It keeps you inspired. So as an actor, I'm always looking for ways to Keep inspired about what I do. And um, I've had a great opportunity um, as of late. Netflix is just killing it with the content. And, um, you know, pleasantly su- surprised. You know what I mean? And they've just released um, one of their biggest budget productions and arguably one of their all-around biggest productions, um, The Irishman. Martin Scorsese's um, adaptation of a novel that um, was based on Frank Sheeran. Frank Sheeran, I believe. Uh, He was a mob hitman, and he worked with the Teamsters Union. And uh, he claims to have knowledge on the disappearance of Teamster boss, Teamster union leader, Jimmy Hoffa. One of the great American mysteries of uh, the 20th century, the disappearance of Jimmy Hoffa. So it's a great film encompassing that era of um, civil unrest, civil change. Um, For example, the Teamsters Union, working conditions in America, um, and the things that surround that, civil rights, women's issues, Uh, world issues, you know? So definitely an interesting film. Martin Scorsese, The Irishman. And uh, the film stars Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci, and Harvey Keitel. Very iconic actors. And I take inspiration from that. For example, um, Al Pacino, he's my favorite actor. Yeah. Because he's got a great ass. And your head's all the way up it. Charlie never did that. Charlie was never a snitch. And James and Timmy, if you're here, fuck you too. If I was ten years younger, I'd take a flamethrower to this place. Who the hell you think you're talking to? I'm too fucking old, too fucking blind. <laughs> Why you always gotta talk to me like I gotta know something? You know, like I gotta fucking know something. You know what your problem is, pussycat? You got not enough fun in your life. Why don't you get a job? Go work with blind kids. You know? Anything beats laying awake all day waiting for me to come fuck you, I'll tell you that much. (laughs) Ooh-ah. You know? Al Pacino. Classic actor, right? Um, The Godfather. The Godfather Part 2. Serpico. Dog Day Afternoon, um, Sea of Love, Insomnia, Glen Gary, Glen Ross, um, Finding Richard. Finding Richard is an obscure one. That's a little independent documentary he directed about his times in the theater. Uh, Al Pacino's a raging thespian, so um, he did a lot of... Um, 
Shakespeare plays, theater type acting, and he made a documentary called Finding Richard, chronicling his journeys playing Shakespeare's greatest villain, arguably Richard III. So that's another great Al Pacino flick, uh, Finding Richard. Yeah, so Al Pacino, iconic. Uh, Robert De Niro, another iconic actor, you know, Raging Bull. I'm so stupid. I'm so stupid. I'm not an animal. I'm not an animal. You treat me this way. Fuck you. Fuck your mother. Your mother's cunt. Your mother's cunt. You know, Robert De Niro. Um, we're talking Godfather Part 2, um, Mean Streets, Taxi Driver, um, Casino, Goodfellas, Dirty Grandpa, you know, like Robert De, Robert De Niro's the man. Yeah, Robert De Niro, iconic actor, changed my life when I saw him perform. As a young man, uh, when I first saw, I believe I first saw him in probably Godfather Part Two, you know, amazing. And then shortly after that, I got into Taxi Driver, and it's just like, wow. You talking to me? You talking to me? Well, there's nobody else here, so what? Are you talking to me? <laughs> that's an that's a classic line. You've probably heard that line out there. Um, you talking to me? You talking to me? And uh, that's a classic uh, cinematic movie line. Classic, right? So definitely iconic. Robert De Niro. Joe Pesci. Funny how? What, like I fucking amuse you? What, am I funny like a clown? Funny how? I mean, you're telling me I'm funny? How am I funny? Do I amuse you? I'm here for your fucking amusement? That's what I'm fucking here for? Your amusement? Home Alone. <laughs> oh, God. You know, Pesci has that, uh, he's got that intensity where it's like, you know, he can be that threatening, menacing mob hitman. And then that, like, goofy, bumbling burglar in Home Alone, right? With Macaulay Culkin. So, yeah, Joe Pesci. Killing it. Uh, icon, you know? He's got a long history working with uh, Scorsese and De Niro. Right? So Martin Scorsese, Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci. They're like a they're like a trinity, so to speak, right? Um, they've made some great films together. Um, Raging Bull, Goodfellas, Taxi Driver. Oh sorry, not Taxi Driver. Um, he wasn't in that one, Joe Pesci. Uh, but uh Goodfellows, Goodfellas, Goodfellows, Goodfellows, Goodfellas. You know, I'm so decent. I'm a good fellow. Goodfellas, um, Raging Bull, and uh, Casino. And now, The Irishman, right? So, uh, yeah. And also, Harvey Keitel. I mentioned there. You know, um, iconic actor. Worked with um, Scorsese and De Niro as well. Mean Streets, right? And um, yeah, so as an actor, it's always great to go and draw inspiration when you get the chance because um, it makes you better and it keeps you striving for, um, you know, to be the best you can be across boards, across the line, whatever trade you do, you know, whatever you do, do it good. Whatever you do, do, do now, do it good. It's not what you look like when you're doing what you're doing. It's what you're doing when you're doing what you look like you're doing. Express yourself. You know, express yourself. Go out there and get some inspiration. So there you have it, folks. Jonathan Ramcharan, actor. That's another thing. Actors, you take like a stage bow. When you're doing like a stage play, you know, after at the end of the play, you and your castmates, you all hold hands. 
like holding your castmate's hands, then you bow. So, you know, <laughs> it's always nice to bow. <laughs> um, if you're new to the show, I am also an alcoholic. <sighs> yeah. Three years of consistent, consecutive sobriety. Yeah. I've been dry for three years. Very grateful. Very um, life-affirming, life-transforming sobriety. Um, you know, you heard me singing off the top there. Because I'm heartless. All the fame and the pussy got me heartless. That new weekend song, right? The weekend? Dope track, right? That's fire. Hot fire. And, um, you know, somebody turned me on to that. They're like, yo, have you heard the new uh, Weekend? The Weekend? Have you heard the new The Weekend song? And I'm like, oh, no, I haven't. So I checked it out. Heartless, right? But there were some triggers in there for me. Some triggers, right? As, like I said, I'm a sober man. And, you know, I'm listening to it, right? And I was getting a little triggered, right? I'm like, hey, wait a minute. Drugs? Alcohol? Pussy? This sounds familiar. I'm like, ugh. Right? But it was a dope song. I'm like, because I'm heartless. And I'm like, I was just fucking bumping it, right? But yo, here's the thing about recovery. Um, you know, you know, I'm further along now in my recovery. So I'm very blessed for that. And, um, you know, I'm open to new things. But when you're new in recovery, and definitely what I did when I was new in recovery, um, it suggested that... Um, you don't get involved in any relationships. Yeah. Relationships in early recovery can be tricky because you're trying to hold on. You're trying to hold on for dear life and make some sense of what's going on with you. You know, you have an illness. You know, you have an addiction, an alcohol problem, right? So it's suggested that you don't jump into a relationship, though if you are already in one, work through it, you know, enjoy it, try to be responsible, but it's not suggested that you go out and seek one, right? Because recovery is all about accountability. So what I did was I joined a 12-step program. That's nothing official. And um, these are meetings that are held all over the world, in cities all over the world, 12-step recovery. And what you do is you attend these meetings and you become a part of a community. And that's very uh, important for the alcoholic because alcoholism is very self-absorbed, self-centered, isolating behavior. So when you become a part of these communities, you come out of your isolation and day by day, your days add up. And then one day you find yourself in a new life, accountable, and, and ready to be involved in life in a real way, in an, in an accountable way, which is why it's not suggested you should just jump into a relationship. Because when I was living my alcoholic life, I was very insincere, so insincere, right? Like, I was like... Um, like a lot of young men and like a lot of young women, just kind of self-absorbed in relationship, wanting to be in relationships, chasing relationships, bouncing off walls and insincere in my intentions, you know, you get drunk and you promise the moon and then you get into these relationships and you don't even know who you are, let alone who that person is. And it can all be very disrespectful right? And, you know, that's what The weekend was singing about, right? You know? Never need another bitch. Don't need a bitch at what a bitch need. Looking for the right girl to fix me. The amphetamines got my tummy getting queasy. Because I'm heartless. Trying to be a better man, but I'm heartless. Right? I'm trying to be a better man, but I'm heartless. I'm trying to be a better man, right? But I'm fucking heartless. You know, I remember like I'd be walking around just judging a bitch, right? Just like, you know, I'm, 
looking at these women and stuff, right? I'm like, mm, you know? I remember one time, you know, this was back when I was still drinking. I'm walking down the street and I see this chick and I, I give her a glance, right? I'm like, I look at her, right? She scoffs and turns her head, right? <sighs> I'm like, bitch, what fucking wrong side of the bed did you get up on this morning, baby? You know, who, you know, to hell with you. And then I started like, you know, making all these horrible thoughts in my head. Like, ah, who's this bitch thing she is and blah, blah, blah. Then wait a minute. I got to thinking like, wait a minute. Who am I? You know? I wouldn't, I wouldn't, like if I was a father, I would not want my daughter dating the type of guy I was at that time. And I remember having that thought. I'm like, wow, man, like, who am I? I wouldn't want any, if I was a father, I wouldn't want any woman dating me. And, you know, it, it gave me that, that chance to step back and take some thought and take some accountability on what was going on with me. And, um, you know, through this journey, three years of sobriety, here I am, like, a more accountable, realized, better version of myself. And I'm open to relationships, friendships, um, romantic, co-workers, siblings, the world. I can go out and be involved and be involved with people in general, relationships in general, in a sincere manner. Where beforehand, not so much. Because I was heartless. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Jonathan Ramcharan, alcoholic. I am also a janitor. <laughs> I'm a janitor extraordinaire, ladies and gentlemen. I'm talking mop buckets, slop buckets, urinals, toilets, tampons, parking lots, cafeterias, the whole kit and caboodle, ladies and gentlemen. I push a little mop bucket. <laughs> push my little mop bucket, I dip the mop in the mop water, then I mop a floor, you know, washing windows like an asshole, you know, washing windows, uh, pushing garbage trolleys, you know, pushing garbage trolleys, changing waste bins, organic waste bins, recycle bins, you know, the whole kit and caboodle. You know, vacuuming. You know, vacuuming carpets, shag rugs, you know, chaise loungers, you know, the whole kit and caboodle. God made dirt and dirt don't hurt. God made dirt and dirt bust your ass. I'm a motherfucking janitor, baby. And uh, very grateful for, for, uh, for the journey. As I mentioned, I am a performer. Performing takes... Um, you know, finance, funding. Like any endeavor, it takes funding. So my janitorial hustle affords me the um, ins and outs of maintaining my performing life. And uh, as I mentioned, I am an alcoholic. So idle, idle hands are the devil's playground. <laughs> so when you're sitting around twiddling your thumbs and twiddly d. That's when all the negativity, the bad thoughts, the ego, the lust, because you're heartless. That's when that pussy chasing heartless, you know, type shit happens, right? And look at the weekend, you know, like the weekend he's going off there because he's heartless. Got pussy falling out the pocket. <laughs> the weekend's got pussy falling out his pocket, right? Like, pff, you know, as a janitor, I ain't got no pussies falling out my pocket, right? Got fucking pocket pussies falling out this pocket. Got fucking poly pocket falling out my pocket. No pussy, though. But hey, yo, idle hands are the devil's playground. So, you know, I ain't got no pussies falling out my pocket, but I got fucking janitorial key rings in my pocket, and it keeps me focused. It keeps me in recovery, you know? Because idle hands are the devil's playground. So I got a 9 to 5 gig that gives me an income, covers my bases, and it just keeps me focused in my recovery, you know? Very grateful for it. And, um, you know, but I've been doing a lot of fucking, a lot of, you know, there's always some kind of laugh, 
some kind of hiccup in the game of uh, janitory, janitorial custodial work. There's always some kind of laugh. Um, this week, um, they, this past week, they had me doing just the most bozo, boneheaded fucking, you know, Jonathan, we need you over there to wipe down a table. So I'm over there with a fucking dish rag, you know, you know, wringing out a dish rag. And I'm wiping down desks, you know, wiping down desks. Oh, the desks, the desks need wiping down. So fucking stupid. <laughs> wiping down everything. Uh, you know, it's that end of year time when everybody's like, you know, making up, uh, you know, making up all these little things to um, justify their reasons for, um, I don't know, their Christmas bonuses to make up their reasons for um, why their department is failing. You know, they just, they make up all these tasks and they throw them at each other to seem busy and to seem accountable and oh diddly dum diddly do fuck it man santa claus is coming to town who gives a fuck calm down we're at the end of the work year ladies and gentlemen doesn't matter if you're in a job and you know the boss is oh 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 freaking out because santa claus is coming to town give it a fucking rest you know it's just a bunch of horse shit it's a bunch of bureaucracy don't give it any thought just smile and go ahead just wiping down whatever the fuck you got to wipe down and doing whatever stupid thing they got you doing. It's the end of the year. doesn't matter. Um, but yo, man, it's also that time of year when it comes to like um, office parties. Office parties. And um, oh my God, it's just cake upon cake upon cake, you know? Fucking face first in a fucking batch of cakes <laughs> do you make a batch of cakes you make a batch of cookies but do you ever make a batch of cakes these morons at my job though they are they're eating batches of cakes just nothing but cakes and cookies and pastries you know and here's the thing never trust a woman trying to give you a piece of cake never trust it never trust it that bitch is trying to make you fat that's all that that's all she's trying to do because she's heartless you know everybody's like you want a piece of cake? Do you want a piece of cake? This woman, she popped around. A, I was washing down a fucking table. This woman comes out of nowhere. You want a piece of cake? I was like, oh, oh, no, thank you. But it looks good, though. She goes, okie dokie. Gives me that death stare. Okie dokie. The one second ago, she's all smiles, right? Do you want a piece of cake? Now it's okie dokie. That bitch is just trying to make me fat. You don't think I see your fucking games? You know? And why would I take a piece of cake from you idiots anyways? These office dwellers, right? I'm a janitor in an office building, right? So it's like, why would I take cake from you office dwellers? That's how you morons became how you morons are to begin with. You know? I don't want to be some bloated office dweller shoving down fucking slices of cake. Like, you know, that's what you morons do, baby. I'm a janitor. I don't do that shit. I'm on my feet. I'm doing real-time, real-time work, you know? I ain't playing these little computer games and answering emails and involved in bureaucracy, you know? I flush a toilet, mop a floor. I'm doing real work. Don't got time to be eating cake, you know? <laughs> but, um, you know, never trust a bitch trying to feed you cake. Because she's heartless. And uh, so there you have it, folks. Jonathan Ramcharan, janitor. And last of all, I am a stand-up comedian extraordinaire. Ten years of service. Coming into my 11th year as a stand-up comedian. Feeling blessed. And today, oddly enough, is a very um, pivotal, monumental milestone. In a lot of ways, it's a milestone because, um, as I mentioned there, as an actor, you got to draw inspiration. As a janitor, you just got to bury your head down and deal with the bullshit. As an alcoholic, you got to take accountability, um, manage your relationships, be accountable. There's a lot to think about being a man or a woman or an in-between in 2019. There's a lot to think about. 
when trying to be a realized person. And today is actually kind of a milestone because as I'm recording this, I'm actually getting ready to go and take a meeting on some things that can potentially change the tides of Jonathan Ramtrain the podcast. Yeah, I have some career meetings to attend today. Yeah, December 1st, 2019. And you know, it's all just a testament to sticking the course, being accountable, taking things day by day. And um, that, that is something that I would like to put out there to anybody. Anybody out there who needs some inspiration, some accountability, some X, Y, and Z, whatever it is. You want a piece of cake? Well, like whatever the fuck it is, like it's something that relates to everybody. And, you know, I'm going to be feeling pretty good and pretty deserved when I go to, um, and again, deserved, deserving is a very loaded word. I'm just humble and I'm grateful. I'm grateful that by taking it day by day, step by step, I'm in a position where I'm starting to see some progress. And 10 years as a stand-up comedian, 18 years as an actor, three years of sobriety. It's all culminating and coming together. And um, hey, keep on rocking in the free world. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. So there you have it, folks. Jonathan Ramcharan, actor, alcoholic, janitor, stand-up comedian. So, welcome to the show. Yeah. What's going on in the world, folks? The world's a crazy, busy, swirling place, as we all know it. Not a bottle of wine. But um, as we all know, the world's a crazy, swelling mix. And um, there's been some news, as always, as of late. The London Bridge attack. This was an unfortunate terrorist attack that happened on London's bridge this past uh, couple days. And uh, I got a news article here, so let's get into it. London Bridge attackers early release from prison under scrutiny. So the London Bridge attackers early release from prison under scrutiny. Now this is an article from cbc.ca. UK Parole Board says it never had the chance to review Usman Khan's case. London Mayor Sadiq Khan on Saturday said big questions needed to be answered following the revelation that the London Bridge attack suspect had served jail time for terrorism offenses. He also repeated the British capital would never give in to extremist attackers and would be open for business as usual over the Christmas holidays. The mayor was speaking as police searched homes in Stratford, 225 kilometers northwest of London, in connection with the investigation. A man and a woman were killed and three other people were wounded when the suspect, named as 28-year-old Usman Khan, stabbed them before he was tackled by bystanders and shot dead on Friday by three officers who surrounded him and fired twice. Usman Khan, a British man whose family is from Pakistan-controlled Kashmir, from Pakistan-controlled Kashmir, was convicted for terrorism offenses in 2012 for his part in an Al-Qaeda-inspired plot to place a bomb in a toilet. <laughs> you know, that's a rough day on the janitorial front. Um, was convicted for terrorism offenses in 2012 for his part in an Al-Qaeda-inspired plot to place a bomb in a toilet at a London stock exchange. He was released in December 2018 subject to conditions before the end of his sentence. Wearing a fake suicide vest and wielding knives, Khan went on a rampage shortly before, shortly before 2 p.m. 
on Friday before being wrestled to the ground and then shot by a specialist armed policeman or woman. He was reportedly wearing an electronic tag. The attack began at the Learning Together conference on criminal rehabilitation. <clears throat> Ironic. The attack began at the Learning Together conference on criminal rehabilitation organized by Cambridge University at Fishmonger's Hall on the northern side of London Bridge before spilling outside onto the bridge. Neil Basu, London's police counterterrorism chief, told reporters on Saturday. Basu said some of these Basu said some of those present at the event confronted the attacker and tried to stop him. The attacker then left the building and ended up on London Bridge. He was pursued and detained by members of the public, as well as a British transport police officer who was in plain clothes before armed officers from both the City of London and the Metropolitan and the Metropolitan Police arrived, confronted the attacker, and shot him. Basu said investigators have, have found no evidence to suggest anybody else was involved in the attack. The three wounded victims remain in hospital, and the most seriously injured has now improved, Britain's National Health Services said on Saturday. I don't think this is right, that somebody is convicted of a serious offense like what this man is convicted of should be automatically released, the London mayor said. He said he believes in prisoner rehabilitation, but also is in need, but also in the need of... He said he believes in prisoner rehabilitation, but also in the need for those released to be properly supervised with a system that is effective. Sadiq Khan joined the capital's police chiefs on a tour of London Bridge area on Saturday. He earlier spoke to London-based radio station LBC, uh, Long Beach of Compton, <clears throat> LBC, um, London-based radio station LBC about the IPP, Imprisonment for Public Protection, model for dealing with prisoners with a history of harming others, which was abolished in 2012, December of 2012. The mayor said that the indeterminate sentences for the protection of the public meant that if found guilty of a serious very serious terrorist offense, you will not be released until you can persuade the authorities that you no longer pose a threat or danger to the public. He added judges have the right uh, he added judges have to give the right sentences because people convicted of very serious offenses can still be a danger to the public and can be released after serving just half their sentences. Usman Khan was imprisoned after receiving a sentence of IPP. And again, IPP, Imprisonment for Public Protection. Usman Khan was imprisoned after receiving a sentence of IPP, but he and two others successfully, successfully appealed those sentences in 2013. In 2013, the Court of Appeal revised his sentence to 16 years and told him he would have to serve a minimum of eight years. Prime Minister Boris Johnson also spoke Saturday about the sentencing of people convicted of terrorism offenses, saying they should not be allowed out of prison early. I think that the practice of automatic early release where you cut a sentence in half and let really serious violent offenders out early simply isn't working and you've and you've some very good evidence of how that isn't working. I'm afraid with this case, Johnson said. The UK parole board issued a statement on Saturday saying it appears Usman Khan was released automatically on license which means he had to meet certain conditions or face recall to prison without ever being referred to the board. Yes, so there you have it. The London Bridge attacker, Usman Khan. Um, he was paroled on a, um, 
what's the name of this program? It has recently, well, it, it has been abolished, this program that he was released on. Um, it's called the, uh, one moment, folks. Um, imprisonment for public protection model for dealing with prisoners with a history of harming others, which was abolished in December of 2012. So, basically, he was released um, early, despite being um, imprisoned for terrorist uh, plotting, the plotting of terrorist acts, which is a very serious offense. That's a very deranged mind. And he was released early. He killed two people, injured three. And that's a major body count considering he should have been in jail to begin with. Um, I personally don't... It's tricky, right? Because, well, there's just the logical aspect of it. The practical aspect of it. Prisons are overcrowded. Prisons need funding. So to house people indefinitely is an expense to the taxpayer, which in turn is an expense to the government. So to house these people indefinitely, there's the practical uh, argument that it's like, hey, we should try to rehabilitate. But obviously the problem with a lot of these serious type offenders is does rehabilitation really exist? Does it really exist? I mean when you're when you are committing dangerous offenses that threaten the lives of others I don't know I really, I personally don't believe that these things can be rehabilitated or at least um, to be rehabilitated um, 100% without supervision. This, this man should have been literally on a leash like a dog. He's a terrorist plotter. He was plotting acts of terrorism to blow up people in a train bathroom. Train station bathroom? You know what I mean? Like, you're out of your fucking mind. You're, you're out there to kill people. And you can't have these people walking around. You just can't. But then again, can we just house them indefinitely? Throw them away and lock the key? You know? A man and a woman were killed and three other people were wounded when suspect named 28-year-old Yusman Khan stabbed them before he was tackled by bystanders and shot dead on Friday. Shot dead by three officers who surrounded him and fired twice. There's cases, for example, in Canada, where I reside, Toronto, Canada, Earlier this year, there was a case of an incarcerated murderer who had a mental health issue. He had a mental health issue. He was incarcerated for hacking his roommate to death with a meat cleaver. He murdered his roommate. I don't know if he... I don't know if the roommate like ate the last slice of pizza or left the light on again. Whatever his roommate did, this man chopped him up with a fucking meat cleaver. And through some sort of um, program trying to rehabilitate and readjust prisoners with, um, you know, mental health issues, this prisoner... He was released and he fled the country. He fled the country uh, back to his native China, I believe is where he was from. And um, that's just an example of, you know, obviously that's not the ruling example. That's not 100% of the case 100% of the time. But it's dicey waters. 
And I personally believe that, for example, for somebody who does commit a crime, I don't believe in rehabilitation. Like for um, serial rapists and murders, there's no rehabilitation there. There should be no parole. Unfortunately, we have to bear that burden as a society, and those people should be under lock and key. There's no rehabilitation there. That's a very deranged person, and they have to pay for their crimes. In regards to people like this Yuzmin Khan, who, you know, he got stopped midway in his plans. You know, he got arrested before he was able to carry out his terror. People like that too. They have to be monitored and, you know, it's just a burden on society, but that's the burden that we have to um, uphold, you know? Hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. What is your thoughts on um, rehabilitation in the uh, jail, prison system? What is your thoughts? jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. You know? And, um, you know, on a more lighter note, I was doing some laundry yesterday um yeah did some laundry you know i was feeling dirty i was reading all these fucking horrible articles in the news so i'm like "Eh, let me go do some laundry got up at the crack of dawn (laughs) took out the laundry but um you know we live in a society that's just so overrun with Acts of terror, um, addiction, mental health issues, fear, anxiety. Sometimes you don't even want to leave the house just to do a simple load of laundry. You just want to stew in your own filth. You know? So there I am at the laundry mat. My clothes are washed. My clothes are dried. It's the last, like, one minute of my drying cycle. I'm about to take my clothes out of the dryer. And you know, I lumber up to the drying machine. I got my basket. And there's this lady. This lady just staring at me. I guess her drying machine was next door to my drying machine. So she's just staring at me. Just staring at me, right? I guess she's like, thinking I'm going to steal her clothes. Now, first of all, how stupid is that? Like, if you know anything about pinching women's clothing, if you know anything about stealing women's clothes, you don't steal them after they've been washed. You steal them before they've been washed. You know what I mean? That's when you steal them, right? So it doesn't make much sense. So she's just staring at me. Like, as if I'm going to steal her fucking clothes, right? This world of anxiety, fear, terrorism. A terrorist act. Another terrorist act. Somebody stole my panties. Right? So she's just like staring at me. And I'm like, oh my God, would you calm down? I didn't say that, right? But I'm just like... So I just kind of look at her and then she goes... Eventually she realizes that I'm taking my own clothes. And she goes, oh, oh, uh, no, would you like some help? Would you like some help? So I'm like, what? She's like, sometimes your hands are full. Sometimes your hands are full. (sighs) Whatever. So I'm like, okay. So she comes and she helps me unload my clothing out of the drying machine. But it's obvious she was watching me, right? And, you know, I got to thinking, you know, in this world of anxiety and fear, sometimes you just got to try to make that human touch. Try not to take things so personal. So I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe she was. Maybe she truly was just wanting to help me. Innocently, just standing there as an onlooker. Maybe that's what's going on. So I'm like, okay. Like, let me reach out and thank her. You know, like, after I had my clothes all put in... all After I had all my clothes placed in my bag and I was ready to leave, I thought, okay, maybe I should reach out. Maybe I can say thank you. Just to put a little ending 
to the situation, right? A pleasant end to the situation. Because it was kind of awkward, right? So I, I turn to her before I go, right? And I go, oh, thank you again, miss. Thank you again for your help. She goes, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. There you have it. I knew it. I knew she was really just, you know, all anxious as if I was going to steal her fucking clothes. And what bothered me the most was like, she was really watching where it's like, you know, she's. It's like after you take a glance, one glance, that should be more than enough to realize I'm not taking your fucking clothes. Why do you got to leer at me like that? Right? (laughs) And, you know, that's just how easy anxiety, fear, disrespect, misunderstanding, that's just how easy it is to get mixed up in, to get mixed up in that fear and anxiety in the society. And I see the parallel there in the um, London uh, Bridge attacker. Thankfully, people were able to come together and work together as one, like um, some of the onlookers and people on the bridge during the London Bridge attacker. Some of the civilians, they got involved. They, um, they tried to stop the, uh, the suspect, you know, the terrorist suspect. Some of the civilians tried stopping him and people worked together worked together and you know i'm trying to i'm trying to i'm trying to hold on to that you know what i mean because i'm a cynic the definition being the motivation and belief that people are motivated by self-interest the belief that people are motivated by self-interest cynicism and you know I'm just a man of my times trying to make sense of it, trying to make sense of it all because, you know, it's just a real ugly look and who wants to drag themselves through every day with that anxiety and fear? And um, I, like what the, I like what the Mayor Sadiq Khan, Mayor Sadiq Khan of um, London, uh, London, England, he said um, in that article, you know, what does he say? He goes... Um, He says, um, diddly dum, diddly dum, diddly do. Sorry, rather, he says, um, basically, I can't, I can't find the exact thing at the moment, but basically, terrorism will not be accepted on any level, and Christmas is going on. Ho, 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 ho. Christmas has not been canceled. He's going to continue on. London's going to continue on in spite of this bullshit. And that's very inspiring. And um, I'm trying to gleam, glean a little inspiration from that. You know what I mean? Overall, I'm feeling fantastic. But, um, you know, I do have these thoughts because I'm trying to be a person of my time. Can't just go around all blindfolded and pay no heed, no mind to the things of the day, right? The issues of the day. So, hey. And, you know, oh, here's another interesting little, um, this is an advertisement that I saw that I found very interesting. You know, as I mentioned, societal issues, where do you begin? One of them is uh, interracial dating. Yeah, I like you, Charles. You're a nice guy. Why don't you come over to my house and fuck my sister? (laughs) The idea of um, interracial dating, you know? People, community, cultures, they're mixing like never before. But one thing I find very interesting about the interracial um, agenda is that it's never quite mirrored properly. You always see white man, ethnic woman. That's the society's 
idea of interracial dating. White man, ethnic woman. When the reality is that men, women, uh, gender fluid, people of all races and creeds are intermingling and getting along like never before. People of all different races are attracted in different ways. But when you project and portray a reality of white man, ethnic woman, it makes you question and it makes you scratch your head because it's always the same story. And if, if it is a flipped script, a flipped script, if it's ever a flipped script, it's always a, you know, a head scratcher. There's always something behind it. Check it out. This advertisement I've recently seen, it's on YouTube. It's for Durex condoms. Durex condoms are on a campaign right now to raise, I believe, $5 million for HIV AIDS research. So in this advertisement, there are many different couples. Pro-trade. Portrayed. Now, if the script is always um, white man, ethnic woman, how come during something as, um, you know, controversial and something as unpalatable as AIDS, how come all of a sudden now's the time to trot out the Black man, white woman. Interracial couple. Very interesting, the game of advertising. Isn't it? Very interesting how you can spin. All of a sudden now, oh look, a black man and a white woman. Oh, aren't they a happy couple out there raising money for AIDS awareness? Oh, I mean, one can infer, deduce, assume that, uh, you know, the message is black man, white woman, AIDS. <laughs> HIV, white woman, suck a black cock, die of fucking uh, influenza. Like, that's the fucking message. And there was also, you know, um, you know, a hapless homosexual couple, two gay men in love, holding hands, hugging on each other, you know? Wasn't that also proved to be a myth? Well, actually, no. I speak out of turn there. There was obviously an AIDS crisis in the homosexual community, and there was also an AIDS crisis in, uh, you know, community in general, people in general. So maybe I'm a little wrong in that, but you know what I mean? It's still the idea of, you know, homosexuals, black man, white woman, interracial couples. They're the ones catching AIDS. That's how you get AIDS, folks. <laughs> and it's very interesting. You know? Hit me up. jr.thepodcast at gmail.com What do you think about this? And definitely check out the uh, ad. It's on um, YouTube, you know, Durex condoms. <laughs> um, it's like the red campaign. It's called like the red campaign or something like that. So definitely check it out when you get the chance. And uh, send me your feedback, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. And, um, you know, but, you know, while there are these... Um, Societal issues of the times, you know, you can always laugh too, you know what I mean? The news is always a source of laughter on some level. <laughs> Check this out. These no good kids, you no good fucking juveniles. Listen to what these little fucking um, hoodlums, you hoodlum. Listen to what these little hoodlums have been up to in Toronto, Canada. All right. So this is a news article. From blogto.com. All right. Blogto.com. This is a news article. Viral video shows mass fare evasion. Evasion. 
at Toronto subway station. <laughs> this is an article by Lauren O'Neill. Viral footage of what appears to be dozens of young people running onto a Toronto subway train without paying <laughs> is attracting praise from Chile. Andale, andale, andale. <laughs> of all places, as a mass fare evasion protest takes place across the southern South American country. Reposted from Snapchat to Six Buzz TV on Thursday, the video shows at least 50 frenzied youth moving through Toronto's Runnymede station in a hurry. Yo! Get the Prestos, yo! Prestos! Ah! One teen can be heard shouting as others squeal and laugh. Cops coming! Got my hat on backwards. I'm a teenager. Comments on the clip, which has been viewed more than half a million times, on Six Buzz's, Six Buzz's Instagram account alone, suggest that most of the people were high school students that they were fleeing from the scene of a fight. Other comments say the group rushed the station to get on for free. Whatever happened, people in support of the mass fare dodging protests taking place across Chile in recent weeks are holding it up as a brave act of political dissidence. <laughs> You're so brave for being a cheapskate and... In, 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 and um, evading transit fare. You are a hero. October of Chilean students' liberation spreads to T.O. What? I guess this is in Chilean or something. October of Chilean students' liberation spreads to T.O. Canada, wrote one supporter in response to a copy of the video shared on Twitter. Welcome, brothers! Cheers for Chile! Wrote several other users of the social media platform. Youth-led maths evasion spreads to Toronto, wrote a New York-based evasion massiva, hashtag evasion massiva account called Ride Free NYC. Evasion is the stuff of life! <laughs> an undercurrent of subversion. Evasion is the stuff of life, an undercurrent of subversive care. The tide is rolling in. Catch a wave. Catch a case. This is not the first time Toronto has been brought into Chilean evasion movement, which was sparked by a 4% metro fare hike in Santiago on October 18th. Signs that read, from Chile to Toronto, power to the fare evaders, have been spotted on street furnishings around the city in recent weeks. All of them bearing the unofficial Chilean protest emblem, as well as an illustration of a burning presto card. <clears throat> Elected politicians are the real fare evaders, reads a similar poster seen on the streets of Toronto recently. Fund the TTC! Fair evasion has become a widespread and costly problem for the Toronto Transit Commission in recent years, amounting to some $61 million per year in lost revenue, by some estimations. The TTC has ramped up its fare inspection efforts as a result in an attempt to, to, to secure more desperately needed fare funds for the service and maintenance, but conscious fare evasion is only one part of the problem. The slow and glitchy rollout of Presto is another, with a broken fare gates regularly allowing hundreds of people to walk straight through into the subway system without paying. A problem that is said to be costing the TTC millions each year. Well, it's obvious. Fair evasion is wrong. Fair inflation is kind of wrong. Public transportation is a necessity 
keep it as affordable as possible. It shouldn't be like, um, you know, obviously the inflation of consumer products go up every year. Yo, that's capital, that's stocks and bonds, that's business, that's the wolf of Wall Street, you know? <laughs> and there ain't no need to be inflating the prices of transit fare. But, yo, people can't be fare evading, dodging fares. Like, come on. It just sets a bad precedent. And, you know, I saw the video, these teenagers squealing with glee. Oh, yo. Oh, yo, bro. Oh, the cops are coming, yo. <laughs> but, um, you know, you know, whatever, man. Fuck the man. You know, fuck the police. If you want to fucking sneak onto the back of a bus, feel free. But, um, you know, kind of tactless. But, hey, you know, that's what we're dealing with. And, you know... Going forward in this uh, in this year, I'm just trying to be more like, um, well, going forward into 2020, rather. Um, I'm trying to be just more a man of my times, as I mentioned, trying to um, be as connected as I can with um, my community, but also be aware of these issues. And, you know, if it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander, you know, and um, hey, Keep on rocking in the free world. It's your old chuckle buddy, guess who? Jonathan James Ramcharan, reporting live for duty on this magnificent December 1st in the year of our Lord, 2019. Hey, we're at the close of 2019. One more month. Get your shit shined up. Get your shit, get your asshole right and tight. Let's go. Hit me up jr.thepodcast at gmail.com you got questions you got queries you got qualms hit me up there jr.thepodcast at gmail.com till next time ladies and gentlemen you live it you love it you realize it a height peace